0: Good morning. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day or Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Got to live up to the occasion. Well, it's uh, always a wonderful and blessed occasion to come and worship the Lord and let us open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so excited, Lord, to be able to celebrate a day focused on love, Lord Jesus, on the love of God. There is none greater, there is none deeper and wider, Lord. And so we just want to offer our thanks, praise, and worship unto you this morning. You are the source and center of all love, and a love greater than any that we can understand on earth, Lord God. And we thank you, Jesus. We honor you and worship you today for the love that conquers all, the love that covers all. And we thank you, Lord, that you've expressed that love to us and continually do. And we just offer worship and praise to you in song. We ask that you, Lord, anoint the word as it goes forth today and bless your people here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: Okay, well, we have a scripture that Evan will read to you. Where is it from? First John chapter four, verse seven.
2: not that we love oh, wait. this is real love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins dear friends oh, dear friends since God loved us that much we surely ought to love each other no one has ever seen God but if we love each other God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us.
1: It's a good reminder that God is love, and his love lives and and is seen through us in our actions. And we do love one another here. Thank you, Lord. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's start off with my Savior's love.
3: should bow.
1: shape us into your image, Lord. Help us be patient with the process, Lord, of changing and growing and maturing into the likeness of you, Christ Jesus, Lord. And I pray a blessing over our congregation, Lord, God. Yes. Patience and blessings upon us, Lord God, as you shape us. Thank you, God. You're mighty, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord.
4: I'm with you, I will strengthen you. Yes. Just remember, where the two or three are gathered together, I am there in yes. the midst. I will not forsake you. I'll yes. go with you. Yes. Worship yes. me, praise yes. me, yes. lift me up to the world. Yes. I yes. am your strength. Yes.
3: Yes. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you.
1: can have our hearts, Lord. This is your house, Lord God. This is your place, Lord God. We serve you, Lord. We serve your wishes and your desires and your plans are higher than our plans, Lord. And we submit to you, Lord God. You lead us. You guide us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to our church, Lord God. For these people, Lord God. For us, to me, Lord God. You love us with a
0: What a day to love the Lord. It's not the world's focus today, but in the house of God, we love the one who first loved us. And it's not a question for anyone here, but why do we take the time to linger in the Spirit of God, to yield? Because what do we have to offer that's more than Him? What can we say to heal the way the presence of His Spirit can heal? So we yield to Him, we yield our time, we yield our attention. Because we don't want to take the chance that anything we do from here on out interrupts what he would do.
4: I hope you feel like you've been in a well-orchestrated concert this morning in the presence of the Lord. I certainly do, and I think it's going to continue through the message. Because today we're going to be talking about our heart, believe it or not. And believe me, I had no connection that today was valentine's day when the lord birthed this in my heart um it was just a message about our heart. so when i got here this morning and i saw the list of songs that audrey had picked out i just had to thank the lord he knows what he's doing he really knows so as i said this morning above all keeping above all keeping Guard your heart. That's the NIV version of Proverbs 4 and 23. And we're going to talk today. We have a little bit of territory to cover in Scripture, but not like the whole book that we read last week in Malachi. I do thank you for your patience. I hope it wasn't too much. But hopefully, as one minister that I like to listen to says often... (laughs) And I laugh every time he says it. I pray that the Lord will help me land this plane with pinpoint accuracy. We're looking at the life of King Solomon this morning. We're going to be starting in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14. And hopefully we'll be able to glean some wisdom from Solomon's life, who, of course, was a son of King David and Bathsheba, and he was raised to fear and love God and follow his commands in the house of his father David. And as a result of God's covenant with David, God blessed Solomon mightily from an early age with wisdom and prosperity. But the whole thing is, God's plan for Israel never included a king because he was their king. He wanted them to follow him, not another man. After all, he had led them out of Egypt with the prophets and the priests and the judges, and they were to deliver his word, which they did, but the people wouldn't have it. And the passage of scripture we're going to look at here in Deuteronomy 17, Israel demanded of God a king so that they would look like all the other nations around them. And God let them have what they wanted. But we're going to learn about what happened there. So Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 17. When thou art come into the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me like as all the other nations that are about me, thou shalt in any wise or under all circumstances set him a king over thee whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set as king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee which is not thy brother." But he, the king, shall not. Now listen to this set of commands from God himself. Shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. Now the meaning of this is that Egypt was the supplier of horses for chariots and war. And God said, you shall not multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. In other words, you are not to go back to Egypt. Neither shall he, the king, multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply silver and gold so there's three things here God said you do not multiply horses you do not multiply wives and you do not multiply silver and gold in this passage God established these rules for the for the benefit and the protection the good of the people and he expected them to follow them and as I said He didn't want them dependent on an outside source or allow their pagan gods to come in through an outsider who didn't love them nor believe in their God. He also didn't want them dependent upon chariots and horses for might and strength of war. He wanted them to depend on him. That's why King David said in Psalm 20, And verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses. Does it make sense now? God said, no, don't do it. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And if you recall last week when we read Malachi, God created one man for one wife for the purpose of maintaining a pure, clean bloodline. And likewise, God wanted the children of Israel to remain pure. So he restricted them to having a king from among their people of God's choosing. And he would limit their wives to one for the same reason. Now, if you would fast forward to 1 Kings 10, and we're going to look at how Solomon measured up as king with the commands God gave. So here in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, we're starting in verse six. This is the story of queen she, the queen of Sheba coming to visit King Solomon and seeing the vastness of his kingdom, his wisdom, and his wealth. 1 Kings 10, six and seven. And the queen said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of the acts of thy wisdom howbeit I believed not the words until I came and I saw it with my own eyes and behold the half was not even told to me thy wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame of which I heard happy are thy men Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord hath loved Israel forever. Therefore made he the king to do judgment and justice." Now, my Bible's commentary says that in just one year, that the year that uh, the Queen of Sheba came, all the gifts brought by the Queen and from many other distant admirers who had also heard of King Solomon's wealth totaled in gold only $20 million for the one year. God never intended for this kind of wealth to be in the king's house, and he told them so. For he knew it would be a great hindrance, a stumbling block, and a distraction for him. Solomon shouldn't have accepted the gifts. He didn't need the gifts, but he let his heart rule over wisdom, and he broke God's command not to amass the great wealth. God didn't say a king would be a pauper. He just said, don't amass the great gold and silver wealth. Now, chapter 10, verse 26, fall down to chapter 26. And Solomon gathered together his chariots and his horsemen. Can you guess where this is going? And he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem. So Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and wisdom. And verse 28, and Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt. So Solomon also broke this command that the Lord commanded not to multiply the horses Now skip down to chapter 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, the women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and the Hittites, six nations of women, multiple women, and of the nations concerning the which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But Solomon clave to them in love. In verse 3, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. What a sad state of affairs. Verse 4, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And Solomon went after Ashtaroth, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he built the high places for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. So Solomon miserably failed by keeping none of the commands that God had set for the king. And God said, Solomon, because you've done this terrible evil in my sight, I will surely rend the kingdom from your hand, and I will give it to your servant. No matter how much might and power a man may have, mark it down. God will deal with the heart. However, Solomon, this is still God speaking, for my servant David's sake, I will save the one part of the kingdom, Judah, in the south, and I will give it to your son, Rehoboam, for your father David's sake. Covenant means something to God. So that even in the face of Solomon's heart, turning away from God because of his total disregard for the law of God, he amassed the great wealth, he multiplied the horses, and he had many strange wives, which he allowed to turn his heart away from God. Yet still, God remembered the covenant that he had with Solomon's father David when he told him that his descendants would always sit upon the throne of Israel. So God was angry, and he had to deal with Solomon's heart. There had to be a price paid for the backslidden waywardness of Solomon's heart. He knew what was right. He knew what God had said. So God stirred up adversaries against Solomon, and he split the kingdom, and he gave 10 tribes in the north to Jeroboam, and he gave only Judah to Solomon's son, Rehoboam, so that he could keep his covenant with David. But God said for the 12th tribe, He kept Jerusalem for himself because that's where he placed his name. And now, to land this plane, if we can, would you please turn to Proverbs 4, verse 10. The Proverbs of Solomon. What could he possibly have to say after disappointing God so terribly? Verse 10, chapter 4. Solomon is talking to his son. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I've taught thee in the way of wisdom, I've led thee in the right paths, so that when you go, your steps will be straight, and when you run, You will not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction and don't let go of her. Keep her, for she is the life. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn away from it and pass the other way. For they sleep not except they have done mischief. They can't even go to sleep at night unless they've done wickedness. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause others to fail. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day whereas the way of the wicked is as darkness, and they don't even know what they're stumbling upon. By verse 20, Solomon's heart is pleading with his son. Don't make the same mistakes I've made, son. Verse 20, my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart for they are the life unto those that find them and help to all their flesh. Verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Don't you know that Solomon's Words to his son were born out of regret and shame for his past experience and his love and his care to want to keep his son from experiencing that same level of pain. How much better the end of his life would have been, how much better for Israel had he kept his heart for God, but he disregarded everything God commanded for the protection and the precaution for the king's heart and the people. It's a fact that before we can act on a thing, we have to think it. Thoughts lead to attitudes, and attitudes to actions, and actions to achievements, whether they're good or evil. But it all begins with the thought of the heart. David cried in Psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And in Matthew 12, Jesus said these words, plain and simple. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit O ye generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? Good things don't come out of the mouth of the evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Keeping our heart, it means stopping our thoughts and examining them before the Lord, before they become actions of bad fruit. I've prayed this week and I said, Lord, I want my achievements to reflect a heart that's kept for God, to reflect a pure heart, a good tree with good fruit that can be laid out for all to see, for God to see. And I know you do too. But once in a while, we need to be remembered. We need to be reminded that thoughts matter. They matter before God because they can develop into an evil action. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I cry out unto you as David did, O God, creating me a clean heart. Renew my spirit and my right thinking in accordance with your word, Lord. Help us to always know the path to follow is after you and to shun the evil path, Lord. To go the other way, don't even pass by as your word directed it. Show us those dark places, Lord, that we avoid them and be led by your presence and by your spirit. Lord, I ask now that you cleanse my heart, my heart of thoughts, Lord, my heart of thinking, and make sure it lines up with your word, and that my heart stays pure and follows hard after God. For, Lord, you're you're always near we can call on you anytime and you will help and restore a right spirit within us I pray Lord that there are hearts that might be listening if they need a, a renewal of their heart and their mind and their thoughts oh God in this troubled time Lord that we look to you that we look to you and we take hold of your hand by the Spirit and that we follow you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Go with us, Lord, and be with us through this week. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen and amen.